from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CER podcast. My name is Sophia Besch. I'm a research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. And today I want to talk about Ukraine. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Russian president Vladimir Putin got quite a lot of attention when he suggested a UN peacekeeping force for the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. And his proposal has been criticized by many as insincere. There have been suggestions that Putin is not actually serious and trying to find a way out of the Ukraine conflict. I want to examine the situation today with Luigi Scazzieri, who is a research fellow at the CR and has published previously on the conflict. Luigi, give us the overview. What is happening in Ukraine right now? Well, uh, what we have at the moment is a, a frozen conflict that occasionally flares up and uh, the implementation of the Minsk agreement of February 2015, which remains the only existing framework to address the crisis, is completely stuck. We still have heavy weapons on the front line, no ceasefire has ever taken hold and the political track is essentially frozen too. So when you say the political track is frozen, is stuck, what does that mean? Why? Well, to simplify the situation, the two sides have uh, aims which are completely irreconcilable. So Ukraine would ideally like to simply reabsorb the Donbass and perhaps grant the region a degree of local autonomy. Whereas uh, Moscow would ideally want the region to have extensive autonomy in order to maintain a veto over Ukraine's foreign policy orientation and therefore prevent its integration with uh, NATO and the European Union. The paradoxical thing about the current situation is that, in a sense, the status quo is acceptable to both parties. So whereas the Russian economy suffered uh, a bit from sanctions initially, it has now, as economists would put it, adjusted, and uh, the costs have been very much offset by the ability to prevent Ukraine's integration with the West. They are very much bearable. On the other hand, Uh, Kiev uh, is also in the position where the ongoing war provides a degree of cover for very slow or for what has been a, a slow reform process. So the war provides an alibi, one could say. And it is in this context that you, the Russian proposal for uh, a peacekeeping proposal actually came into play. So if both sides are essentially okay with the imperfect status quo as it is now, why Is Russia coming up with this new proposal? So that's a very interesting question. Now, what I think could have taken place is that Russia essentially realized that, that the international situation was slowly changing, that its hopes were not really coming to fruit. So there were, there were several developments that took place in the past months that changed the, the international um, outlook. So first of all, EU sanctions on Russia have been consistently rolled over despite opposition from some member states. In the end, they have not really been the subject of extensive discussion. Uh, populism in Europe, yes, we have seen some good results, but uh, populists are still out of government. Pro-Russia parties are mostly out of government throughout Europe. So let me just, when you say a good result, we've seen good results, you mean good for Russia? We, we have not uh, mm -hmm. seen good results for Russia, yeah, mm -hmm. indeed. We've seen the, the Dutch election, the French election, now the German election. Uh, specifically in the German election, we will not have an SPD-led government, which uh, seemed to be an option at least for a while. Instead, we will have a continuing Merkel government, as Sofia knows uh, and has argued. Uh, and uh, on the whole, even Brexit has not really affected the EU's resilience. Indeed, the Eurozone economy seems to be picking up steam. And uh, in general, the EU seems to have uh, gained some sort of momentum from uh, Brexit. 
And finally, there has been no US policy changes either, despite the election of Donald Trump, which was initially a big hope for Russia that Trump would uh, cancel sanctions or somehow strike a deal with Putin. Instead, what has happened is that the US Congress has passed new sanctions on Russia. So for, for Moscow, Trump has been a big disappointment, arguably. So the proposal comes out of a situation of discontent with yes, how things are yes. developing, right? So what does the Russian proposal foresee then? Could you walk us through the details of what Putin has suggested? Sure. So um, in early September, when the proposal first came out, uh, it, it envisaged a UN mission designed to protect OSC observers that are already present on the contact line and only for a limited time frame. Now, of course, this was uh, essentially a non-starter for either Ukraine or the EU and the US. And Ukraine and the US immediately counteracted that what they uh, aimed for was a mission throughout the Donbass, uh, a full UN peacekeeping mission, which included policing the Russia-Ukraine border to control the flow of uh, of so-called volunteers and and weapons to uh, to the conflict zone. Let's always unwrap the euphemism. What's a volunteer? So indeed, uh, whereas Russia has always denied that uh, it has uh, troops on the ground, it is very clear that the, many of these volunteers are Russian servicemen serving there more or less willingly. Um, and now, so the proposal is at the UN Security Council. Uh, discussions are ongoing. We've seen recently some interesting developments. For instance, the Ukrainian foreign minister on his recent trip to India, uh, seemingly putting forward the idea that India could provide peacekeepers. So it is being discussed and there is potentially some space for, for cooperation. Mm. Um, if we say that Putin is serious, what would accepting his terms mean? So I think no one really is at the moment is proposing accepting Russia's terms as they were originally uh, put forward by Putin. Indeed, he himself later slightly revised the proposal saying that he would accept uh, UN peacekeepers throughout the region, but not on the contact line. So there have been some small changes. But now if the Russian proposal was accepted essentially as is, this would mean freezing the conflict. And um, the conflict in the Donbass would then become very, very similar to the ones we see in Abkhazia, South Ossetia, or Transnistria, uh, so to, to other conflicts in the post-Soviet space. Now, the positives are that this would stabilize the, the situation on the ground and ease the suffering of civilians. But at the same time, it would uh, legitimize the Russian proxies in Ukraine, or at least mm -hmm. this is one very legitimate fear, and it would also enshrine the separation of the Donbass. A counter-argument to enshrining the separation of the Donbass of course, could be that actually the Donbass is already de facto completely separate from the rest of Ukraine and that it is not really going to change anytime soon. Right. So you mentioned earlier that Ukraine had a, a counter proposal to the Russian sure. suggestion. What was that about? Yeah. So Ukraine wants a full uh, UN peacekeeping mission with uh, UN forces controlling the Russia border, halting the flow of weapons. Now, the issue with this, uh, Ru Russia will never accept this proposal because having troops on uh, UN, uh, UN forces on the border would mean that Russia can no longer reinforce its, uh, its proxies in Ukraine and therefore would lose all leverage eventually, maybe not immediately, on Kiev and therefore its ability to influence its foreign policy outlook. Right, so let's get to the to the core question. What is the way forward in Ukraine? Should the international community take Putin's proposal seriously? Should they go with it? I think the proposal should be tested to its limits. It should be pushed. We've seen that maybe there is some space for convergence. And I think it is being taken seriously, for instance, by Ukraine, as we saw from the visit to India. And indeed, India or China would be ideal candidates 
to lead a UN peacekeeping mission. Now, this would have to be, of course, a fully-fledged peacekeeping mission. Its mandate would also have to not be, as Russia initially proposed, only the protection of OSC monitors already on the ground, but actually being able to enforce a ceasefire. And it would, it, it would also not have to be limited in time, but rather linked to a resolution of the conflict which satisfied both parties. Now, if such a mission could be put in place, I think it would definitely be a step ahead. It would, uh, as a minimum, stabilize the situation without legitimizing the separatists. And uh, in, in the best case scenario, it could open the way for a discussion, uh, especially if the UN mission manages to police elections in the Donbass, mm. which leading to a new leadership there, could then form the basis of a, of a solution. How likely do you think that Putin will accept these modifications to the proposal? I'm not really going to venture on that. I think it's uh, unlikely at the moment, but perhaps there will be some space for agreement, especially in the coming months. I think this is something which should be seen in the context of an evolving situation over many months. Russia, for many years, was completely against any UN involvement in the Donbass. In September, they came out seemingly out of the blue with this proposal. So it does, I think, signify perhaps a shift which should be explored. Now, having said that, any resolution of the conflict which uh, returns uh, the Donbass fully to Ukraine is clearly very far away. I think Russia will uh, not give up the Donbass as long as there is a chance that this would then make Ukraine membership uh, of NATO or the EU more likely. So, so in that case, what can a solution to the conflict even even look like? I think in the very long run, there, there can be either uh, two, two formats, really. Either Russia no longer um, sees uh, Ukraine's membership in the EU and NATO as a problem, which is a, a stretch, or Ukraine uh, comes to realize that, uh, especially membership of NATO, seeking membership of NATO does not really enhance its security. Now, either of these scenarios don't look particularly likely at the moment. They're very long-range, um, long-term solutions. Um, it, it is worth noting that at the moment, neither EU membership nor NATO membership are really uh, on the table for Ukraine um, because it has a territorial, an ongoing territorial dispute with Russia. So after Cyprus, the EU is very wary of accepting member states with an ongoing um, territorial dispute, as is NATO. So uh, in the long run, I think we can, the EU should keep pushing for a situation which involves, of course, the return of the Donbass to Ukraine, bearing in mind this is a, a long-term uh, solution. What can the EU do in the meantime? Now, this is the important question. I think it's really important that the EU keeps to strengthen Ukraine and indeed steps up its uh, its support for Kiev, providing more administrative support, more financial support especially, because any support to Ukraine makes it tougher for Russia to destabilize Kiev. At the same time, it would be uh, ideal if the EU uh, would try to alter Russian perceptions of the conflict. Now, what this can mean in practice is that um, the EU should try to show Russia that it can benefit from Ukraine's integration with the West, One idea could be to uh, lower trade barriers between Russia and Ukraine in the context, in the broader context of linking together Russia, um, Russia's Eurasian Union initiative, the EU and China's One Belt, One Road initiative. Luigi Scazzieri, thank you very much. Thank you, Sofia. If you enjoy listening to the CER podcast, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. And while you're there, please leave a rating or a review. It helps other people find us. And you can also let us know what you think on Twitter at CER underscore EU.